Thanks for checking out Rock Urban Podcast. We believe that God is on the move and that he uses the power of his word through preaching to speak life. We hope you're encouraged today by the message of Pastor Nick Skippers. Jehovah Shema. Say that with me. Jehovah Shema. Say it again. Jehovah Shema. And you're wondering, what does that mean? It means God is there. It means God is near because he is there. What I mean by that is in any situation, when you think you're alone, all you have to do is say to yourself, Jehovah Shema. Because it means, Jehovah means I am, and Shema means there, meaning God is there. I am there. And that's a promise that God has given to his great leaders all throughout scripture. And it applies to you today. Because most people come to church and think, well, I could never do great things like David did or like Abraham did or like Joshua did as we jump back into the book of Joshua this week. But that's not true. Because who was Joshua before God took notice of him? Who was David before God went and found him through his prophet before he was anointed and called to be the king. Who was I when I was a drunkard, crashing into ditches, getting thrown into jail cells, telling my parents, I'm just an F up. I'm not gonna amount to anything. I was just the youngest rebellious child in my family, a screw up. And who are you today? You need to remind yourself constantly, this is the whole premise of my message. So if you don't get it, Tommy's going to come back there and hit you in the head with a tack hammer. Seriously, God is there in the midst of your car accident, in the midst of your cancer, in the midst of your depression, in the midst of demonic attack. God is there in the midst of disease, in the midst of not knowing what's wrong with you. Hmm? God is there. God is there. Jehovah Shema. You can run, but you can't hide. And that's the message to all of those who think, rather than leaning on God and trusting in his word and what he's promised me, I'm going to run away. Because we see it time and time again. You get distracted by evil spirits. And you think spirits aren't real? They're working on you. You brought them in today with you as baggage and they want to define who you are. They want to push you toward your default, meaning your failure of the obligation that you've promised God you're going to fulfill. And you default because the enemy makes you think about whatever, fantasy sports, lust, greed, workaholism, how mean your spouse was to you, how rebellious your kids are being. The enemy wants you to turn away. And Pastor Gary was preaching last week about how, uh, the week before actually, about how Joshua made an alliance with the Gibeonites. And how that wasn't really a good thing because they deceived Joshua. And Joshua did not consult with God. And there's a reason why Joshua did not consult with God. And you got to think about this because it's the same reason why you don't consult with God about any decision in life. You forget that he's there. You forget that he's right beside you. 
He's with you wherever you go. I want to start with a few scriptures that I think will set the foundation for everything I want to say today. Starting with uh, Psalm 139, 7 through 12. If you have that, Ina, you can put it on the screen. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Joshua 1.9. Joshua is the leader of the Israelites and we're going to talk about how he led them today in the text. And this is how his ministry as leader to the Israelites started, God said, and you know it, probably you have it memorized, you have it on your fridge, right, with your little magnet, and you bought it at the Christian bookstore, right, and you read it a couple times and you forgot about it. So Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, wherever you go. And we believe that at this church, wherever you go. In some circles, you would believe that you can run too far away and you're out of the fold of God. You're away from the grace of God. You've just screwed up your life so bad, nobody can bring you back. And that's not the truth. God can bring you back. Right? I want to jump into our text this morning, starting with Joshua 10. Uh, verses 16 through 18. And the, the background to this is that Joshua was summoned by the Gibeonites, and the Gibeonites were the people that came and deceived him, and so he made an alliance with them, and now he made a vow that he had to keep with God, saying, I will be with the Gibeonites, I will not harm them, and I will actually protect them if somebody attacks them. So the Gibeonites come to Joshua and say, the Amorites are knocking on our door and they're going to destroy us, utterly destroy us. And there are five Amorite kings that joined together to attack the Gibeonites. And so Joshua knows that according to his vow and the sight of God, he has to go and defend them. Verse 16, these five kings, the five Amorite kings, fled and hid themselves in the cave of Makedah. And it was told to Joshua, the five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Makedah. Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave in Makedah. Now, I want you to notice something here right off the bat. Scripture tells us such a vivid story. It gives us a picture to look at. And the first thing that we would read is that they fled and hid themselves. All throughout the story of creation, all the way through history up until now, the, the telltale sign that you're not of God or that maybe you are of God but you're not listening to God is that you run and hide. And some of you are even sitting in service and you're running and hiding because you're not willing to give up the demonic strongholds in your life. You're not willing to admit that you can't do it on your own. How many of you in here would say, I honestly struggle with pride. I try to do it on my own about 50% of the time or more. Because hmm? I raise my hand because that's me. I'm fine until everything hits the fan, and then I need God. 
what they did initially is they ran and they hid themselves in a cave. And the crazy thing is that the word makadah actually means a place of shepherds. And so how does this relate to your life? It's a place of shepherds. There are five kings of the Amorites that are coming against Joshua. And you got to think about how there are multiple, more than you could count, demonic spirits, just like kings. Okay, because in the Old Testament, everywhere you look, you can see that God allowed the prince of the power of the air, as it says in Ephesians, who is Satan, to actually influence and in many cases possess pagan kings to come against the Israelites, to come against God's chosen people. And it was all a part of his plan. And so we don't believe this now, but the rulers of this world still are controlled and possessed and influenced by demons. And the people you come across from a day-to-day in your journey are also influenced and empowered by demons, especially if they don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The five Amorite kings, they join together because they're afraid. They believe they're going to be destroyed. I wanted to make this point. Satan shepherds us like the Amorite kings into our defaults because many of you have ran and hid in your life. Have you not? Have you, have you gone for a nice little jog during your Christian life trying to get away from God? How many have done that? I'm going to try to get away. You know, I see this on a, on a regular basis. I see college-age people because I, I minister to the college-age people on Sunday nights. I see this all the time, especially new people. They come in. Oh, my gosh, such a powerful message. Pastor Gary, the, I just, every time you preach, I cry. And, and then they come up and they're like, Dirk, that song, especially the girls, that song just melted my heart. And the guys are like, I just was sobbing. because, And it is real that they're crying. But two days later, I see them on Snapchat, smoking a bowl, snorting cocaine, hanging with people that are Amorite kings. Do you know how many people have gotten saved and we literally have like a six-month test? How long will they be around? You look at a person that got saved six months from now and you can tell, is the spirit really taking power in their life and are they really growing and are they hungering for righteousness? Are they hungering for Jesus? Are you hungering for Jesus? Because at any point in your life, you can become stagnant. You're just a cesspool for all kinds of garbage. The demons like to dwell. It's like a mosquito hole. You ever go by a swamp in the summer? It's terrible. Some of your lives are swamps. Your mind is a swamp. Your heart is a swamp. It's as black as coal. It's murky. It's muddy. There's no clarity. God looks at you and says, I want to set you free from that. You have no vision. You have no direction. You have no future because you are so muddy and disgusting and filthy. You're rolling around in the swamp. Swamp creatures. Every time I say swamp, all the hunters are going, swamp buck. I can't wait for fall. Stop thinking about fall, okay? It's your mind is trapped by the enemy because he leads you to your defaults. And this is important, your defaults. Because Joshua's default in the previous chapters was, I want to believe them. It's good to have peace. Even though God told him, be sure to destroy every person of the Canaanites. 
but he didn't listen. And this is us. We want to make peace. We don't want to do what needs to be done. We don't want to listen truly to what God has commissioned us to do. And so we take it easy for a moment. We don't, we don't need to read our Bible today. We're feeling kind of like you got a stomach ache or a headache or you're not quite feeling right. You don't need to consult God on this decision. It's just a small decision, but small decisions turn into big decisions, and big decisions wreck lives. Not just your life, your family's life, your kids' lives. We need God, people of God. We need God. More than ever, we need God. We need God's revival, and it starts with you. It starts with the cleanliness of your heart. It starts with the change in your life and in your mission and in the direction that you're going to go and the example that you're going to set with your kids. That's how God wants to work. And Joshua's on the right page now, but the Amorite kings think we need to take them out because the Gibeonites and the Israelites are going to destroy us. Do you know that if you're doing anything from God, from God, for God, anything powerful, there will always be attacks. If you're not being attacked, you're not doing anything for God. Just be assured of that. All the soft sell, easy, just give a good quick pitch on how to improve your life, pastors across the nation, they are not servants of God. I'm telling you straight up. They may have at one time been a servant of God, but they have lost their first love, and now they're preaching self-help. They're preaching wealth. They're preaching prosperity. They're preaching easy things to listen to. They're preaching to itching ears, and that's not what we need. Whatever happened to sinners in the hands of an angry God? And people cringe. But it's true because God really does watch your life because he's there. Jehovah Shammah, he's by your side, and he's with Joshua. And these kings think that they can hide in darkness. They think that they can run to this cave and be gone. There's a verse I learned in jail before I even became a Christian. And it's Proverbs 10, 9. And it says that the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes a crooked path will be found out. And these Amorite kings thought they could cross God. You can't cross God. You can't come against God. And you can't default, I want you to listen to this, you cannot default if you want to stay true to your destiny. Defaulting is giving up or not fulfilling what God has actually called you to do and what you've committed to, your obligation. And so many people are doing it. You're doing it across the board. Because you don't spend time with God, you're not teaching your kids about what the love of God is all about. You're not even reading your scripture. You don't even acknowledge that God's there. You're not evangelizing. Do you, have you read the New Testament? I mean, th that sounds like an insult, right? Like, Pastor Nick, don't insult all of us. Have you actually read the New Testament? Because when I read it, I feel so convicted. It was stories of them going from town to town and preaching the gospel. How many spent the whole weekend going from city to city talking about Jesus? Oh, man. And we're the church. We're the Amer America is founded on Christian principles. Principles are not getting us anywhere without the action of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, without showing the love of God. We cannot default. Joshua defaulted once, and he realized, I can't do that the rest of my life, and he went on a mission. God told me to destroy all these people. And people want to say that that's just mean. You're God of the Old Testament, I can't accept him. 
Well, that, I guess that's your problem because he's God. We don't get to shape who God is. God shapes who we are. God shapes our lives, our future, our destiny, America's future, your personal future, your kids' future. And the moment you forget that, your kids are into every form of disgusting filth because you didn't teach them that God is the ultimate power in this universe. He's everywhere at all times. He's omnipresent. We need to teach people God's nature. The flesh breaks fellowship. Every time. And I think we push this off because God is gracious. Is God gracious? Amen, he's gracious. But we break fellowship all the time. You know? It's not much different than saying, my friend's gracious, they love me, and then we cuss them out every other day when we just feel like it. He's not being very nice. Screw you. That doesn't work. Have you ever had a friend that did that? You start thinking, does he have bipolar? What is wrong? Was that Tourette's? And I'm not trying to mock people that legitimately have Tourette's. I'm just saying some people act. They don't have any conditions, but they sure act like they have conditions. They act like they have horrible conditions. In one moment, they're praising God, and the next moment, their kids are coming to youth group or college group and saying, my dad cusses left and right when he's at home. Well, he certainly doesn't do that on Sunday morning. Hmm. Right? Come on. We have to be people of integrity. We're breaking fellowship. Romans 8, 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It's so powerful and interesting. There are so many ways that you can cross-reference scripture to see how God is foreshadowing the future. Because there are five kings, and in reality there are thousands of demons that serve Lucifer, who was once with God in heaven. And thrown down, if you read Ezekiel 28, you read Isaiah 14, you see that he was thrown down from his position. And there are fallen angels that are serving to try to destroy what God wants to do. And they get put, they, they, they run into a cave and they roll large stones, Joshua does, in front of the cave. And you see this motif, this picture, it's something you can actually relate to. It's like this foreshadowing that, you know what, when the enemy runs into the cave, God kills him and he doesn't come back from the dead. He's done. But when the enemy tries to destroy Jesus and God lets him be the propitiation for our sins and he goes into the cave, God rolls a stone out of the way. It doesn't matter how many guards you have guarding the grave. Jesus came back to live again that you might have life. God wants you to have more than just life. There are not very many people that I walk around this world and I identify and say they are just a dynamic, powerful, spirit-led Christian. There are not very many people, including myself at times. We are so laxed. We are so distracted. We are defaulting into all of our simple little things, our daily bread, rather than actually getting something fresh and powerful. We are defaulting into all of these things that we feel comfortable with. You know, it says godliness with contentment is great gain. And it, that was meant to teach us something. Contentment without godliness is great loss. We find ourselves, I'm content with where I'm at, and two months later you're getting a divorce. Because in the moment you think you're okay is the moment when enemy is stealing your wife away. He's getting a foothold, a stronghold in your life. And we need to rely on the spirit of God. 
Demons always demand that you run to darkness. Have you ever felt so, I want you to think about it. Have you ever felt so depressed that you just want to go home, close all the blinds, crawl under your covers in, in your bed, fetal position, just cover yourself in complete darkness and just cry? Have you ever felt that depressed? You ever felt that sad? So have I. And that's where the enemy wants you. That's where the demons want you. They want you in the cave. They want the shepherding spirits of the enemy to control you. That's what Satan wants. You know, we don't think about this much, and I got to keep going, but we don't think about this much, but Satan is the second most powerful shepherd we could face in this earth. He's the prince of the power of the air. What You say he's a shepherd. No, Jesus is the good shepherd. Yeah, Satan is the bad shepherd. He's the evil shepherd. He, who knows God better than Satan? We certainly are not even close. If we put it on like a scale of percentages, it'd be like, well, David and Otterloo, you're at like 3.6, and Satan's at like 98% of how he knows God compared to where Dave and Otterloo is at. And I think Dave actually likes scripture, and he actually loves God. Now he'll be offended. I'm at least at 50%. I mean, come on, I spent my whole life, I know Revelation. Once you have the whole Bible memorized, then we will certify you as a godly man. Some good legalism, right? The enemy is this great shepherd. You are always, I should say almost always, you are almost always in the presence of possession or oppression by demons, no matter where you are. And we don't see life like that. We just think, I'm just stopping at Subway for a sandwich. Everything is warfare. Everything is warfare. I was listening to uh, some sermon clips by all the older people would be like, oh, praise God. By John Hagee, my parents would be like, that's, oh, yeah, yeah. Praise and glory in the house of God today. The nation of Israel needs your donation. We need to support the children of the Lord. It's, but, and I'm not mocking him. He's got that voice that's like, you turn on, they got those motivational sermon jams. You turn that thing on and you're like, you go from like lusting and like, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go out and buy a bag of weed, and then all of a sudden, praise and glory. You're like, oh, my goodness. He's got a gift. He really does. He's got a gift from God. Because then you'll turn on a sermon jam by someone. It's like a voice thing and a spirit anointing thing that, that's really on his life. Because then you turn on another sermon jam by some pastor. He's like, and the Lord has beseecheth you. Thou shalt. And you're like, she's not working there. It's not working, P.B. Herman. <laughs> I was listening to a sermon by him, though, and I was so moved because he was talking about how when David was in need, the God, God actually said, my hand is cut behind my ear so that I can hear what you have to say when you pray to me. I want to hear because you're my servant and I love you. Don't forget that I'm near and that I'm listening. Our world would be revolutionized if we knew the character and the nature of God. He is around us. He is with us. And if you're a child of God, he is in you. You have his power. You have the same power that defeated the grave, that raised Christ up from the dead. You have that power. And we're not utilizing that power. 
We need to push the demons aside. We need to trust in God. He was saying that we wage war in the heavenlies with our prayers. We are praying that the saints will be fighting, that that the great angels of heaven will be fighting against the demons on people's behalves. Right? There's a kid that I was introduced to. I say kid, he's 18 or 19. He's never been to our church, but somebody that knows me reached out and said, can you try to minister to him? He was kind of standoffish. He didn't want to meet. I've just been talking to him back and forth via Facebook and still kind of staying in touch with the guy who kind of gave me the reference, and he's been praying for him as well. But he moved to Montana because all of his friends are into Xanax and heroin and cocaine and all of these drugs that on any bad trip you could just be gone. And that's, that's what's happening to our youth. The enemy just gives them an overdose and they're gone. And, and, and they don't know how to get out of it because you look at those friend, the friends groups of those people and you see that their friends mourn for a period of time, like a day, and then they think, in memory of him, we're going to go get high. What? That is how strong the demonic possession is in those people's lives and we fight and we fight to get people out this kid is in Montana he thought that solved his life because he didn't have those bad friends and he moved there he got a job he had an apartment he was posting all this great stuff and it just bam took a downturn everywhere I go it doesn't matter where I go I have no friends I'm, I'm gonna kill myself life's not worth living I'm back into the same old stuff I should just die 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 just don't want to live anymore and all of his friends that know nothing about God are saying it's okay man you can make it out it's okay that doesn't do any good it's okay you can make it's not okay God can free you from that because he loves you, because he has a future for you. That's what I put in there. He hardly even knows me. I just thought, even if he doesn't receive it, maybe it will be a testimony to his friends. God set me free. I said, I've been almost 10 years sober now from drugs and alcohol. I have been set free, and do I still struggle? Yes, but I've been sober for that long. I have my, my other defaults that I go to just like you, but God has set me on a course. I am only up here by the power of God. Every single one of the kings, and I want to go through them quickly, is related in the meaning of their name to a demon of some sort. And going through them, Adoni Zedek, it was the first king who was like the leader of them all and, and brought them together to come against the Gibeonites. And his name means oppression, confusion, defeat. Some of you have him tagging on to you, that demon. Hoham, religion, performance, legalism, oh my goodness. Hoham, I thought it was so interesting how the name in the Old Testament connects so well to the attitude today, Hoham. As long as I read my Bible and I don't, Look at the centerfold in the Sports Illustrated when I'm looking at the NFL preview for the, you know, it's so hard. That centerfold just opens up and you're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. It's the legalist attitude that throws people out. It's performance. It's work hard. Do things right. Don't, and, it, and it passes into every area of life. It's like you think it would just be religion, like read your Bible and try not to masturbate, son. Seriously, but it, this is where it goes. It's like you scratch the truck, and it, it, it's like 
it's a truck, but you scratched the truck. I'm never letting you use that truck ever again. Fine. I just won't be close to you for the rest of my life because I can't handle that kind of judgment. It's a mistake. Do you get how we're driving our youth out of the church by, by stupid things? Just stupid things. Because we're legalists. It's all about performance. Pyrum is besiegement, aggressive pressure, intimidation. Jaffia is blindness. A lot of us have that. Debir, accusation attacking others. We've faced that demon, haven't we? Accusations to tear others down. It's so interesting how the enemy uses defaults and he uses distraction. And there's this, I, I hope you have the picture um, that I sent you, about medieval distraction. And I wanted to show this to you because this is literally what I feel like the enemy does to us as Christians. There were five demons and powers in this story, but there's four in this picture if you can actually understand what I'm talking about. Demonic shepherds try to shepherd us in four or 50 different directions and they literally pull us apart spiritually. And they kill us physically too. If you think they don't have an effect on your physical being, then you're so deceived. They're grabbing on to everything they can. They want you to be bitter. They want you to be angry. They want you to be hurt. They want you to be a legalist. They want you to be lustful. They want you to be mean to your wife. They want you to damage and destroy every relationship you put your hand on. That's not what God wants. It's not what God wants. There's, a, there's an underlying story to every story in the Bible, and that's why I love studying Scripture. Especially when I preach, I sit there and think, this is a huge blessing. Pastor Gary says this all the time, that you get the privilege to preach. This is a privilege. I, actually, I say thank you to Pastor Gary for having this opportunity because he's the lead pastor and he has allowed me to get up here and actually speak to you. And I actually feel many times like I'm not worthy, God, why am I up there? I should not even be able to step foot on your platform to speak to your people. But God says humility is what you need. You should feel unworthy. You should feel that way. There is a curse that passes all the way down. Because if you look closely, the Amorites are actually like a hybrid of the Canaanites. Just descendants off to the side. And there's a lot of people groups that actually came from Canaan. And if you look all the way back to Genesis 9.20 with me, you'll see that this, this is like a 1,500-year curse in waiting that is ready to come down by the wrath of God. And you think that, I want you to think, how are my decisions? And you're like, that's just impossible. 1,500 years from now, Jesus is going to return before then. A lot of people have been saying that. I sure hope he does. I hope he does in my lifetime, but maybe he won't. How are your decisions affecting your descendants 1,500 years from now? Don't you wish you could travel back in history? Aaron would be like, come on. Why didn't you... Great, 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 great grandpa cry. Why didn't you practice your ball handling skills a little more? I would have been in the NBA. I know I'm not quite that tall and I can I could just just dunk in high school, but if I had those ball handling skills, I could I'd be out there going against Stephen Curry, you know? If right. But you wish you could go back in history and find out where did this come from? 
Have you ever studied anything? A lot of people that are adopted want to go back and find out, what are my health risks? I look back, I have a grandpa, Scott, who has, my mom's dad, who has had autoimmune disorders, and there, it's, there are multiple people on that side of the family who have them, including me. And it, it's something that I have to be aware of. I have to be cautious of. But there are things that pass all the way down and getting to the text here. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, and he knew what his oldest son had done to him, he said, Curse be Canaan. A servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. One decision. If you, now I want to make a, a, a comparison here. If at a young age somebody exposed you to pornography, you know Canaan's struggle because it's not much different. It doesn't matter if, it's, if, you're, if you're a boy and you see a girl or a guy or you see, the basis of the whole story is that Canaan was inappropriate, or, or that Ham, sorry, Ham was inappropriate in disrespecting his father and looking at his father's genitals. And I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just giving you a straightforward, the curse passed all the way down to the Amorites. And you'll find out, well, how could God destroy an entire race? It was just, almost just like when he sent the flood and said, there is no thing in people's minds other than wickedness. The Amorites were consumed with sensuous nudity, orgiastic nature worship, worship, sorry, snake worship, and even child sacrifice. You see how all these things, sensuous nudity, wow, where'd that come from? Because they looked upon something they should not look upon. And you know that what you allow yourself to watch on TV or wherever, fathers, is what your kids are going to consider to be acceptable and they're going to look at, but they're probably going to notch it up. I can, be, I, can, I can take it a notch higher than dad, right? You always want to be as good as your dad, and then at some point you want to be better than your dad so you can make him proud. And, in, and you think that's stupid. That doesn't apply to lust and sensuality. Yes, it does. If the father is a sexual pig, the son is most likely going to be way overboard sexual pig. And he's going to take it so far, and the father's going to sit back and go, what did I do? You, this is, this is literally what I remember in my childhood. I never heard my parents talk about their sexual relationship. I never heard anything related to that ever in my life. I didn't see them walking around the house naked. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just straight up. If my parents were here, they would be like, <laughs> hopefully they don't listen to this. I'm saying secret because it destroys people's minds. And the curse passed all the way down to Canaan, to the Amorites. They were so wicked. 
you know that there's a multitude of things that pass into that. Sensuous, nudity, orgiastic nature worship. They're, they're having these orgies in nature with multiple spouses. People do it today. They, they partner swap. That's no different. The same demons have control of people that think that's okay today. The same people that are fornicating today, they have the same demons of the people that were fornicating back then. It was wrong then, it is wrong now. It doesn't change. I'm so sick of this, this concept that we can't label things what they really were then because times have changed. No, God's the same through all eternity. There might be a different term for it, but it's the same. Homosexuality is still unnatural. It doesn't mean I hate homosexuals, but if I care about them, I would actually tell them that that's not God's best for your life. And you see the due penalty, even when you look at Romans chapter 1, you see that women were giving themselves over to other women and men to other men. And God said they will receive their due penalty in judgment, even here on the earth. Do you know that 60 to 70% of people that live the homosexual lifestyle die like 15 to 20 years younger than people that live a heterosexual life? Because it's not meant to be. Disease comes, colon cancer comes, and I'm not trying to be grotesque. I'm just saying it's very simple math. God laid it out for us. This is not proper. We should be fighting to help people. There was a couple that came and, and was involved in our church, got married, and the wife now, through a divorce, wants to be into poly's numerism or polysexism, meaning I can have 12 different partners, so I don't want to be tied to you. If that's not Satan, I don't know what is. And we all think like we're so holy, I would never go there. The enemy comes in with a little crack. A little crack. Well, in the Old Testament, they had polygamy. It was wrong then. It didn't do any good. If you look at all the curses that came... Ishmael was cursed. Oh, he was blessed, but he was cursed. God said, I will expand your descendants, but he was cursed. He's a man that fights every man. He is the Arabs. He is Islam. The people of Islam came from Ishmael. Abram, you shouldn't have slept with the Egyptian. And do you understand that curses come out of things we don't even identify with because Abram went to Pharaoh and he lied and said, Sarai is my sister, and she sort of was. It was a half-truth. Man, that's gross. But, but that, was, that was more acceptable and understandable. God was expanding the people on the earth, but he lied to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh gave him an abundance of what? donkeys and camels and maidservants, maidservants and manservants and slaves. And so we see that sin comes out of sin. Lying leads to sleeping with your maidservant. It leads to having a son that will be at war for all of his the duration of all the way until the end of time the Ishmaelites, the Arabs, the the Islamic Religion is bent on killing all infidels. People can say whatever they want. We should let all the Syrians and we should let all the people from Iraq and Afghanistan that have been displaced, we should let them into our country because Jesus would turn the other cheek. He would, he really would. He'd just be like, I love all you. Come on over. Even if you're going to rape my sister and you're going to kill my kids. No. You're going to think that's too extreme. That's not too extreme. Open your eyes. 
The liberal media and the liberal mindset likes to say that the conservatives are the fascists. And I'm not saying conservatism is perfect. By no means. But they like to say that they're the fascists. We hate, they hate women. And they hate people of different religions. And they hate and they hate and they hate. And, and the reality is that fascism has been the strongest through the liberal movement all the way through the ages. Because the liberals, the Democrats are the ones who subjected, subjugated black people and made them slaves. It, wasn't, it was not the Republican Party. Believe what you want to believe, but curses come. Through people. Do you know that Hitler was more a liberal than he was a conservative? Do you know that he's the one that told the Catholic churches, you'll abide by what I have to say, and you'll just let, just brush over this. This, the very same thing that happened in Germany is the same liberal fascism that's coming to America. Propagate women, subjugate people, and make it a race war. Let's just make it a race war. Convince people that it's wrong. Reverse racism is so strong. I love every person of every single race. I do. Don't you? So where is it coming from then? Are any of you running around on the street shooting people of different races? It's propaganda. It is propaganda in our country to make us turn away from God and against each other. We need to stand for what's right. There are so many curses that have passed down to us. That we, we are trapped, so many dads are trapped in the cave worshiping so many other things. You have demons that are attached to you because you can't show the right type of love because you're too consumed with your work. Or you're too consumed with your kids' achievements in sports. And I'm not, I'm not, work is a good thing. Sports can be a good thing. Hobbies can be okay. All these things. People always think, well, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I like the way my son hits those line drives in baseball. Yeah, so would I. My kids are going to play sports if they want to, and I'm going to cheer for them, and I'm going to try to teach them everything I can because I played sports too. But you know there are bad things in every arena. There are demonic things in every arena. I put my life so heavily into sports that when I graduated, I didn't know where to go. I was going to go to Ferris State. I didn't end up going there to play football. I was going to go to Davenport and play basketball. I didn't end up going there because I hated school. I dropped out, and I partied four or five nights out of the week because I had no direction or purpose because my whole life hinged on being a linebacker or a tight end or a, or a power forward. We need to teach kids about the importance of really knowing and understanding who God is and loving him. We need to teach our kids how to just relax and have a good time. It's such a common thing nowadays to say, I'm bored. Why, why do you think the Amorites, why do you think the Amorites were involved in all this terrible stuff? They were bored. They wanted power. They wanted sex. They wanted fame. They wanted, they actually had a lot of power and they had a lot of fame because they were known to be warriors. But God removed them from the face of the earth. Gone. Curses have come throughout history to so many people. We look all the way back to Cain, cursed his entire life. We look back to Esau. You look how a simple decision based on just a fickle feeling of hunger, I'm hungry, and you give up your birthright. God, why did God not take him back? Because it says in the book of Hebrews that even though Esau repented with tears, God did not take him back. you got to think about this. Because he gave up the 
birthright, the lineage of God's chosen son. He gave it all up for a bowl of porridge, for a bowl of soup. And the stupid things we do, some people give up their entire marriage for like 10 minutes of cheating on their spouse. They give up the future of their kids because of the greed that has control of their hearts. God wants to bless you. God wants to set you free from that. I don't want you to walk out of here thinking, man, I'm so convicted. I think I'm just going to crawl in a hole. I want you to walk out of here and think, I'm not going to make those mistakes. I'm going to choose God's blessing because God is Jehovah Shema. God is near. God is there. God is before me. God is with me. God is in me. If you're a Christian, God is powerful. The Amorites didn't start the war just because they were afraid of being slaughtered. They started the war because they were truly afraiding, afraiding. They were truly afraid of having to give up their way of life. We, we don't start war with Satan through prayer to forge a future. Most commonly, we start war with God by making our demons our allies and fighting for our own contentment in life and saying, God, I don't want you to have this territory because it feels good to be lazy because it feels good to have premarital sex, because it feels good to stay addicted to my drugs, because it feels good to mistreat my wife or my husband. It feels good to not take responsibility for my own actions, for my kids and where they're going. It feels good. It may feel good, but it's not going to feel good in the end. This life is very short compared to what God has designed, eternity. And you want to be separated from God because you just did what felt good all the time? Just instant gratification, please, 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 don't be the Amorites. Be Joshua. If we look at the end of the text, we see that he had learned his lesson looking at Joshua 19 through 28 as we close. God said, but don't, don't stop, pursue your enemies, attack them from the rear. And don't let them reach their cities. For the Lord your God has given them into your hand. This is actually what Joshua told the soldiers. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely. But a few survivors managed to reach their fortified cities. The whole army then returned safely to Joshua and the camp of Makedah. And no one uttered a word against the Israelites. That's what we need. Why, why can people blaspheme our God so loudly? Why can they utter false things with such fluidity? Why can they get by with that? Everybody's wondering, well, what's the answer? Because we can shout as loud as we want, but without the power of the Spirit of God in your life, people don't even take notice of it. You're just a kook. We've had so many movements that are such flops that are in some sense in the name of Christ. People think because they're conservative they're going to change the nation for God. That's not going to make it happen. 
It's good to have conservative values. People thought the Tea Party was going to change America. The Tea Party turned into the biggest joke I've ever seen. You go to a rally, there's like 50 people standing out there. It didn't bring change because it doesn't have the power of God. Read the text. No one uttered a single word against the Israelites. Why? Because they knew they were going to die. It was done. It was over. Defeat was coming. You're going to be destroyed. They didn't utter a word. God has to deal with people and nations when they think they can just say whatever they want about the Almighty. And the Almighty says, all right, step out of the way. Done. The Edomites were destroyed. The Canaanites were destroyed. Cain was cursed. Their, their lineages stopped. Is your lineage going to stop or is it going to go on with God's blessing? You have to ask yourself that. God is there. He is there. God said, I am there in your pain. I am there in your surgery. I am there when your child goes astray. I am there. God is with you. God is with you and for you. Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave. Kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, Eglon. When they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to the army commanders who had come with him, come here and put your feet on their necks of these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. And Joshua put the kings to death and exposed their bodies on five poles. And they were hanging on the poles until evening. The Old Testament had a specific outline saying you don't leave bodies hanging through dark. They took them down at nightfall when the sun came down. At sunset, Joshua gave the order and took them down from the poles and threw them into the cave where they had been hiding. At the mouth of the cave, they placed large rocks, which are there to this day. That day, Joshua took Machedah. He put the city and its kings to, to the sword and totally destroyed everyone in it. He left no survivors. And he did to the king of Machedah as he had done to the king of Jericho. There, there really are kings fighting for your affection. There are kings that are trying to take you out. They're demons. They're demonic kings. They want territory in your heart. They have territory in your heart. I would almost guarantee it. And you have to root them out. God wants to set you free. God wants to take you out of the cave of darkness. This is the thing that I, I face all the time. No matter where anybody's at, they come in and they can talk all they want about Jesus and they can know the Bible backward and forward. But there are a multitude of people like me who grew up in church and you think you know God and you know all the verses and you, you, you've done your catechism and you've done your profession of faith and you've done all these things. But the reality is you never actually have placed your faith in Christ and started a relationship with Jesus. You can do all these great things, but Jesus says you can come and say you've cast out demons and you've done all these miraculous things in my name, but I don't know you, Jesus will say. You must know the king, the only king, the triumphant king, Jesus. He is the one that can save your soul. I oftentimes wish I could just reach through Facebook and grab that kid in Montana and bring him here and sit him in the seat and say, please just be open and listen. I wish I could grab people that have come here and they're back out in drugs and in all kinds of stuff wanting to commit suicide. And I just want to grab them and pull them back and say, I was there. I wanted to die. 
I wish I could shake people in here. Just enough to wake you up to realize that you don't need to live in the cave anymore. Christ has made us to be in the light where what we do can be seen by God. That's what John chapter 3 says, verse 21. The people who know God come into the light and they do their deeds before God so that it can be seen in the light of God. And that's what we must do. I want to pray. If you can close your eyes and honor the people around you. Because the only way to be able to fight the enemy is if we have... God and Jesus wants to dwell inside of you through the Holy Spirit of God and he wants you to be his child and he wants you to have full confidence in him and assurance that you are his warrior, his servant and that the enemy cannot take possession of you anymore. He can try to fight against you but you have the power of God. It's interesting that in the war with the five Amorite kings it actually says further back in the text that more people were killed by great stones that God sent from heaven to kill the soldiers than were actually killed by the swords of the Israelites. So when you're fighting this battle, whatever it may be, you think you gotta fight your way out of the pit. God does the fighting. You trust in him. I wanna say this as such an important opportunity. Is there anybody in here that says, I do not know for sure that I know Jesus as my savior. I am not sure that I would be in eternity with God. If I left here and I died today, I am not sure that I am his child. And I want to know, I want to seal that. I want to be saved today. I want to know, and I, I'm willing to raise my hand. Nobody's looking around. Such an important opportunity. Anybody that says, I need Christ. I need him. Pride will stop you from raising your hand. God, I, I pray you'll speak to anybody in here that's not sure, that maybe is not, that's too afraid to raise their hand, but you'll speak to them and go with them and draw them to you, God. Is there anybody in here that says right now, I need prayer as I leave. I need prayer to root out the demonic powers in my life. I don't want to hide in the cave of darkness anymore. It could be a multitude of things. I want to give it up. I want to give control to God. I want to surrender today. You raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm giving this up. You know what it is. It's taking control of your life. And I don't even need to look. God, I pray that you send your freedom and you, your, your powerful Holy Spirit work in their lives and their hearts, God. And bring freedom. Break the chains inside of them. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At Rock Urban, we hope that through our podcast, you will experience the grace and love of Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, please check out our website at therockmi.org.